0: Some of us are narrow minded thinkers and some of us are very large creative thinkers, but we are all creative thinkers.
1: Power to Live More with Joe Dodds.
2: Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well being, energy, and resilience. I'm Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips, and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold.
1: Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds, and I'm co presenter. And today, Joe's interviewing for Dose Karas. Held as the modern equivalent of Dr. Seuss, Ferdos is a master global communicator and humanitarian who has influenced hundreds of millions of people's lives for the better. Desmond Tutu called his creative work, which has been viewed by more than a billion people worldwide, outstanding and powerful. A fellow of the Royal Society of Arts, he was named one of the world's 50 most talented social innovators and has received more than 112 awards, including the prestigious Peabody Award. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Ferdos Karas of
2: Chocolate Moose Media. Welcome, Ferdos. Lovely to meet you.
0: Thank you, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: So start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do, and crucially, where you do it.
0: Well, where I do it is uh, all around the world, quite literally. My work is being used in uh, 198 countries. It's been seen by over a billion people. And essentially what I do is use media to better the human condition. So I've been working on COVID-19 and before that I did a video on how to interact with the police in the United States. And I worked on a lot of disease prevention on human rights and other issues like that. Uh, I use creativity to uh, better the human condition through mass communications called behavior change communications. And I've been doing that for the last 25 years. I'm based out of Canada. I was based out of Switzerland as well.
2: Wow. That, it feels like it's a big topic and we've not even started. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my first question is usually, and I'm very sort of pertinent here, sort of how did that all happen? Because it's not the sort of thing you probably you know, left college saying that you wanted to do or left school saying what you wanted, that you wanted to do? How did, how did it all come about?
0: Oh, I blame Mother Teresa. <laughs> um, when, when I was uh, quite small, about eight years old, I met Mother Teresa several times because my mother was the head of a national NGO in India where I was born and grew up in Calcutta. And uh, Mother Teresa was not uh, famous at that point. This was in the early 60s. And... Uh, I I remember the image of Mother Teresa working in a huge room with the poorest of the poor dying on carts as if it were just yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized, looking back, that I think I got my first taste of working outside of one's comfort zone for the benefit of others. At that time, you can imagine that uh, an eight-year-old walking into a room of uh, very sick and dying people has a lasting impression. Yeah. And so uh, I can draw a straight line from my early socialization in India uh, to all my university uh, schooling and through my other earlier work uh, in in national affairs, particularly in the government of Canada on refugee affairs. And I headed the United Nations Association Canada for a while. Um, so I use media, but uh, I make media with a difference. I don't do commercial programs, I do media that essentially uses my background in international issues. uh, And I use the media to better the human condition by making people change their behavior, either directly uh, by the viewer watching what I'm producing or indirectly by creating a conversation about a particular topic like sexual violence that I want to create a topic on and and therefore create uh, a, an influence on the person whose behaviour I need to change.
2: Mm-hmm. And how did you know that that was the way to do that? So you, you knew very clearly that it was about helping other people, And but obviously there were so many routes that you could have chosen. How did you I, know that it was the education and the creativity piece?
0: I actually started with uh, UNICEF. Uh, we... Uh, some time ago in the 1990s, we did what uh, was then a very new convention, which is called the Convention on the Rights of Children. We took every right in it and we animated it you know, using studios around the world. And in those days, we had to send broadcast quality tapes to broadcasters. And over 2,200 broadcasters played them around the world. They became the most watched uh, media on human rights ever created. And then I came up, I thought that this is a good way of mass communications to get people to focus on a particular subject and to change their behavior. And, the, the work that I'm probably most famous uh, for creating or co-creating is called the Three Amigos, which was three funny animated condoms uh, to stop the spread of HIV AIDS. And that became very famous uh, and was used in over 150 countries in one way or the other uh, during the height of the HIV AIDS uh, crisis. And I think uh, I've used the approach of using humor because I don't believe in bashing people over the head. I mean, if you think of most behavior change communications, they don't use much creativity. They simply, you know, they might show you, for example, an image of a battered woman if they're dealing with domestic violence and say, basically, don't do this. Well, I don't think that does anything except publicize domestic violence. I don't think it addresses the person whose behavior you want to change in that example. And that is the person who is doing the abuse, not the victim. And so uh, I think that I use humor to bring a person to the serious point I want to make at the end of the spot, uh, because I think that the person has to internalize the message and we have to use a lot of creativity in, in reaching people. So I always say that I have an audience of one person, just one. I don't group people together uh, and we can get into that if you want, just why. But um, I essentially just have an audience of one person, each individual person whose behavior needs to change. Mm.
2: I think that would be a really good thing to explore on the basis that many people in business, um, people, coaches and consultants that I work with, don't understand the importance of sort of niching what they do and and finding that one person to speak to in terms of their marketing and in fact i only had uh, that very debate this week in a networking group that i run where where somebody was trying to say oh you know i can sell to all of these different people and w- and i was trying to say you know you've got to pick one person and in this case it was one group of people not even just one person <laughs> and that was a struggle um so talk, talk a bit about how important it is to speak to that one person
0: it's extremely important um uh... In business, people misunderstand what creativity is. So let me start with what creativity is in my definition. Creativity is the ability to think differently by a mental process of original thoughts that leads to the creation of new ideas. So in my book, for example, I go into what creativity is not. And the first thing I say is creativity is not a product. You can't actually see uh, creativity You can see the result of creativity in a product, but it's not a product. It's a mental process. And the second thing is creativity is not innovation. A lot of people, I think coaches and so on misunderstand what innovation is. They put, you know, five people from a company into a room for a couple of days and say, okay, now we're going to brainstorm and we're going to come up with new ideas. It hardly ever works. Uh, it might work, uh, but it'll be an accident if it does work. That is not the best way to uh, to get creativity out of people. Innovation is also, like a product, is the result of applying creative thinking, mm. of uh, coming up with uh, new ideas, and then you, you, you can use it in a group. Uh, I don't mean to suggest that groups have nothing to do with creativity, but it individuals are creative people, groups are not, you can take an idea and you can, you can enhance it, you can decide how to implement it, you can uh, create the product and so on in a group. So you can take a creative idea and then come up with something that is a group uh, that comes best out of a group. But the original creative thought is never a group process. It's an individual thought process. Mm. If you think about the most creative person in the world, in history, uh, who would you think of? To me, it's uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Mm. Uh, he, was a, he was a creative genius. Now, he, you know, he came up, for example, with the, the idea of a modern helicopter uh, some 500 years ago. So if you think of Leonardo da Vinci, imagine if he had put his ideas through a group process. I mean, we wouldn't know his name today and we probably wouldn't know his ideas today uh, because everybody in that group would have laughed at him. Yet He was an absolute creative genius Mm -hmm. and moved the world forward. And I think that 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 is a good example of uh, how creative thinking is an individual process and that groups actually can be detrimental to the group process. And the best known proponent of that was Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs often said that it is really hard to design products by focus groups. A lot of times people don't know what they want until you show it to them. Yes. I I think that's absolutely true.
2: Yes, that um, that was following the Henry Ford thing, wasn't it, about people would have invented faster horses, not the car or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's uh, that's exactly what Henry Ford said. If I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Yes, you know, uh, you can't. You, if you're a creative thinker and in business, you have to not just think outside the box, but really far outside the box. Uh, And and I think that's an important point uh, that many business leaders fail to understand. And they do so at their great detriment, especially now in the era of COVID in 2020. Mm -hmm. I think if there's one lining, silver lining that's come out of uh, this year, it's the fact that we've all had to rethink everything. I mean, if you think of it from a company's perspective, you know, they've had to look at the supply lines. They've had to think about how they create their products. They've had to rethink about How they reach their existing customers. They've had to rethink about how they, how they reach new customers. So uh, everything has had to be rethought. I mean, everything from, you know, where we work from to, to how we move products, uh, how we get products to, to our customers and so on. Everything has had to be rethought. We've had to apply a lot of creative thinking. And if you don't apply creative thinking, for example, if you don't have an online presence as a company and you've been waiting for people to walk into your store, for example, you're going to go out of business. It's, it may take longer, it may take sooner, may already have happened this year. But if you have not thought creatively, uh, you will simply go out of business.
2: Yes, yeah, absolutely. So thinking back to the, the where we were talking, about talking to, to one person, um, how does that connect up?
0: Well, that connects up because in the age of internet, uh, of the internet, we are all individuals. Mm. Um, you know, big data is created uh, on on our individual preferences and choices. So, you know, uh, in the old days, a marketer might have uh, said, "Okay, I'm an urban, educated Canadian, uh, and so on," and you know, uh, and given me a certain product uh, because he thinks that he he can group me in those kinds of characteristics. It's not true anymore. Nobody really should be marketing because I'm a group of a certain age or a certain ethnicity or a certain nationality or urban or affluent or whatever. Uh, I think that um, every time we go on the internet nowadays we're, we're tracked, everything we look at, every product we buy, And an individual profile is being created of us. And I do think that that is the right way to do it. I've been advocating that we're all individuals for the last uh, many, many years, many more uh, years than the internet has been in existence.
1: Yeah.
0: And and the reason for that is that I think that if you you think about my work, which has to go around the world, uh, it has to have so much creativity that they have to get around the various barriers that all of us carry around in ourselves to effective communications. And I, I will give you some examples, our belief system, our culture, our education, our ethnicity, our intolerances, the language we speak, our morals, our you know, stereotypes in our heads, racism in our heads and our values. So we're all different. We're all individuals. No two particular, no two people are so uh, aligned to each other's thinking that, um, that you know, we, we, can, we can put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. You know that there's a, there's a saying that you don't understand me until you walked a mile in my shoes yeah. or whatever that saying is. I, I think that's, you know, just complete nonsense. Uh, nobody else can walk in anybody else's shoes because mm. we're all individuals. Uh, yeah. and i And I do think that that has profound uh, implications for companies, particularly for marketing, because yeah. um, uh, if you think of us as one particular person, uh, you know every we all carry around such a myriad of of factors in our brains and our personalities that we see the world in a totally different way. So, for example, I'm not a particularly religious person, but other people might be very religious. So the way they see uh, something will be affected by that. Mm-hmm. Some people might have a, a bias against women, for example. Uh, I hope I don't have one, <laughs> but you know, somebody who who has a bias against women. Then, when a professional woman in a in a context, a business context, is talking to that person, that person will be influenced, even if it's subconsciously, will be influenced by that factor because that factor has importance in their brain. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and so, because we have all these factors, I have a list of over fifty of them uh, that we we all carry around in ourselves. We no two people are alike because the importance uh, that any particular factor has in our brains is different than everybody else's. So the possible combination with like 50 factors, it runs into trillions and trillions. So there's no way that somebody else thinks like exactly like I or exactly like you.
2: No, no, exactly. It's funny, I, I did, I've did. i been doing some video um Podcasts and and conversations with a colleague about employee engagement. uh, A couple of colleagues over the the whole of lockdown, and uh, I'm there's a bit of a joke that that my constant um, mantra is the bit about treating people as individuals. And uh, when uh, when my daughter was young, her school her school head teacher used to sort of bang on about the fact that you should treat people as you would like to be treated yourself. And I always used to tell Ellie that that was wrong, and she used to get annoyed at me because to her, you know, the head teacher was god <laughs> and but i always used to say well it's not about how you want to be treated going back to your thing about walking in somebody else's shoes it is actually how they want to be treated not how you think they want to or how you want to it's, it's got to be about that person but how how do we how do we get to know what those people want you know when it's not us and we can't tell and as you say everyone is so different
0: well i think that we ultimately come back to the fact that we're one human family. Uh, you know that COVID uh, has taught us has reminded us of that. And, you know, I, I can't think of another example. I mean, you would have to go all the way back perhaps to world war two to think when, you know, what happens somewhere in a far away place impacts us no matter who we are or where we are. And that is simply because we're all living together on this one fragile planet. Mm. And I think that, that, we have come back to this notion, we have to come back to this notion on big issues and on small issues, that there are issues that, that no matter, and pandemics are a good example, uh, that no matter where we are, we are affected by them. There literally isn't a person on this planet uh, that hasn't been affected by uh, COVID-19 in 2020, right. no matter where you live, no matter what language you are uh, speak, no matter w- what religion you are, and so on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think that 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 idea, that notion, that there are some things that affect us as a human species, uh, is is a very critical and important one. So, when you create a global company, and you you keep uh, thinking about the global companies that are the biggest in the world. Well, the biggest company in the world that, uh, that I'm aware of right now by market capital is Apple. And Apple is probably one of the most creative companies in the world as well, if not the most creative company. Uh, I have a great deal of respect for Apple. And it started by two people in the garage, and that's all. And they kept applying their creativity. And, you know, if you think of Apple as an example, The first company that had the idea of creating a mobile phone wasn't Apple, it was a company called Motorola. And (laughs) Motorola is obviously (laughs) nowhere in the mobile phone (laughs) business. And that's because they had the original creative idea, but then they didn't keep applying their creative thinking. And so then Apple and Samsung and Nokia and so on all came along and took uh, market away from from the uh, company that came up with the original idea. Yeah. So uh, it, it, cr- applying creative thinking in a business is not a, a one-off thing. You have to do it continuously. It's a continuous process. Uh, and I go in my book through, through the various uh, things that you need, the kind of eight aspects of applying creativity that you need uh, that, that you need in a business to succeed. And mm-hmm. I can go through those if you wish. But, but you need certain things in order to uh, be able to apply creative thinking.
2: I think it would be interesting to to hear what they are in sort of um, through the lens, if you like, of of the pandemic. Because one of the things that's been frustrating me around the narrative around sort of moving forwards as a world is that is that it, there seems to be so much talk about getting back to how things were. And, you know, things like even, you know, when the UK came out of lockdown, the first thing the government did was was tell everyone to sort of go back to the office as if that was the only way to run a business. And, you know, some people did because that's what they think is the only way to run a business and others, you know, there's a friend of mine who works for a a big company with like 55,000 employees, and they're still working from home and they have all the way through and they're still doing really well. And they've made it, you know, work, they've got a new way of working now. But how do we How do we encourage creativity in how we move forwards rather than um, sort of end up trying to snap back into what we're used to and and keep things sort of as normal as possible because it's such an upheaval? How do we encourage those changes and encourage people to take the opportunity of the trauma that we're going through, if you like, to come out differently at the end of it?
0: The first thing I would say is that we all have to accept that we are creative thinkers. Yeah. Uh, the ability of us to apply creative thinking is different. And uh, some of us are narrow-minded thinkers and some of us are very large creative thinkers, but we are all creative thinkers. And and people sometimes quite often tell me, well, you know, I'm not a painter or I'm not an artist or I'm not a writer, so I'm not a creative person. That's completely nonsense. Every single person uh, no matter who you are, uh, you are a creative thinker. And if you don't think you are, just think back to your childhood. And if you are in an adulthood now and you say, okay, maybe I was a creative thinker when I was a child because, you know, I sang a dance and so on, but now I don't do that. Well, just take a piece of paper and take a pen or a pencil. <coughs> sorry. And uh, draw a squiggly line. Just take a piece of paper and draw a squiggly line in any way you want. Just uh, not a straight line, a squiggly line. No matter what squiggly line you come up with, that is your creative thinking because uh, no other person, because the number of pixels, for example, on a a paper, no, no other person has probably ever drawn that squiggly line exactly the way that you just drew it.
2: Mm -hmm. It is
0: your individualism that is coming out in the way that you draw a squiggly line. Now, that's just a simple example of how we are all individuals and how we are all creative thinkers because nobody will tell you, well, you know, I can't draw a squiggly line. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can, and that's uh, an expression of your creative thinking.
2: Yes, yeah.
0: So I do think that the first thing we need to do is understand that we're all creative thinking, except that we're all creative thinkers. That creative thinking is not the same as artistry. Uh, it's quite different. And, and creative thinking is what we need in our, both our personal lives and our professional lives. You know, uh, it, there's an annual survey done of uh, the world's, in the largest platform of the world of employers and employees. And they ask the employers, what is the one characteristic, the top characteristic that you're Mm -hmm. looking for in the potential employee? And for the last five years, it has been creativity. Uh For the last five years, even before COVID, it has been creativity and I have absolutely no doubt it's going to be creativity uh, going forward in the post-COVID period. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is we are creative thinkers, uh, accept that. The second thing is the status quo is never static. Nothing in it stays the same. And, you know, we talked about Apple and Motorola as an example, but there are many, many other examples. No company absolutely needs to have all its employees go back into an office. None. It doesn't matter what they do. If, for example, there are uh, companies that are actually creating widgets and they need people in their in their plan, for example, and you're going to tell me, well, you know, this is a plan. Well, let me tell you that if you're doing something that's repetitive in a plan, AI and automation robots are going to take over your job pretty soon. Yeah. So if they haven't already. So don't think that just because you're creating something in a plan, that that's the only way to do it uh it, and every other aspect of of uh, professional life you know goods and services that we can think of i can't think of any other uh place that needs to needs to uh have people in an office mm-hmm. i haven't been to an office meeting of uh, i mean perhaps one or two but i haven't been to an office meeting in since march in canada and you know, I haven't lost anything uh, because it, the, I've been doing all my work online for years anyway, mm. uh, and it, it hasn't changed anything. And I think that every company can do that. Why can't a bank have its uh, advisors uh, on investment sitting at home, uh, you know, professionally dressed and whatever, but still sitting at home and advising their clients? Why can't a uh, a manufacturing company? uh CEO directs his employees by sitting at home uh and meeting with them on on one of the platforms like zoom and skype and so on to uh to you know manage their employees. Yeah I, I, I don't I don't think anybody needs to go in. There's some employees that obviously you can't do with not going in. So for example, I mean a bus driver is a good example. Well, a bus driver just simply can't function if he doesn't go and drive the bus. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there are some things that that are going to be necessitate yeah. uh, going in. But for the vast majority of, of employees, I think that's not going to be necessary in the future.
2: No, no. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's interesting because companies that are aren't all doing the same thing so there are companies where you would think oh it might be quite difficult for them to work from home but they're making it work and others are just saying it's too hard when it's easier for them than you know company a sort of thing so it's interesting i mean i you know i accept that uh the economy in city centers is affected if people aren't in the offices but other than that to me it just feels like the the economy will go out to the sort of towns and the villages and the the back a bit about a bit like the you know 19th century you know 18th century or whatever all the sort of local artisan um type um situations because people will be working from home and shopping from home in a different way I guess
0: they, they will be they'll be on an individual basis. Uh, and So I'm not sure. I agree with the analogy of going back to the kind of 18th century. <laughs> we want
2: modern as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I think that people will be online more than anything else. And, yes. and there's no there's no uh, better example than Amazon and its share price over 2020. It's obviously gone up considerably.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and Zoom and all these other platforms that have been affected by COVID-19. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. That trend is going to continue and accelerate. Uh, there is absolutely no end in sight, I think, to uh, for a company that, that produces and sells online and then uh, the shipping and everything that's involved. That trend is going to continue and accelerate in the next few years. I mm-hmm. think that one of the things that COVID-19 in 2020 has done is that it has forced companies to uh, greatly accelerate their online presence? Yeah. Uh, so a company might have had a plan, you know, okay, we'll have a, some kind of website and get online and so on in the next three, five years, whatever, and they bang, they had to do it in 2020. They yeah. didn't have a choice. Uh, I th- also think that retail, for example, I think that tourism, for example, these are huge industries that are going to change forever. If any CEO uh, of a retail organization or, a or uh, any uh, CEO of an airline or a, a tourism-related organization thinks that things are just going to go back to normal, they're completely mistaken.
2: Yes. yes. Things
0: will not go back to normal. Uh, I think that demand is going to be changing considerably. I think, for example, that, uh, you know, it's going to take several years. Now, even if we have a vaccine tomorrow, which, by the way, I'm not very hopeful on. I've been working on HIV AIDS, for example, for 30 years. And we don't have a vaccine for HIV yet, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. also a virus. We have antiretroviral drugs that keep you alive, uh, but that that doesn't prevent you from getting HIV in the first place. So... um, so I do, I, I do think that this is, you know, yes, there are companies that will succeed. By the way, that's a good example of what else I say in my book, which is that creative thinkers have to embrace failure. If you, if you don't embrace failure, you can't be a highly creative thinker. And in, to give you an example of the vaccine, there are over 100 companies, I think, in various stages of, of trying to come up with a vaccine. Well, 98% of them are not going to succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean they shouldn't be doing it. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be trying it. They should certainly be trying it, but they, they uh, know that the odds, the mathematical odds against them. So I say in my book that the best, uh, the best uh, and, uh, and most knowledgeable people of failure are people like sportsmen and research scientists. Uh, research scientists know that uh, they are going to fail uh, more often than they're going to succeed. They know that, uh, right from the start. Mathematically, that is uh, absolutely the case. It doesn't mean that you don't try it, but it means that you, as a creative thinker, you uh, accept uh, that you're going to fail and you get up and get going when you do fail.
2: Yes. Uh, And
0: it's the same with sportsmen, Uh, you know, um, if you think of that, you know, uh, you're in the UK. Well, if you think of a cricket player, for example, when in, when a cricket player goes to bat, he knows that the chances of him uh, batting a century in a in a Test match is probably less, much less, than not getting to that figure of hundred if you, if that's his goal. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, in baseball, for example, the, the you know if you if you hit the ball one out of four times you're doing really well so so then there are professionals and there are people who accept failure who who know that they're going to more likely fail than succeed and i think we have to all become much more adept at accepting failure
2: mm-hmm. so taking this sort of um very um micro in terms of yourself and how you run your business and how you work how do you use your creativity to ensure that you're successful and you get done what you need to get done? Well,
0: what I do is, uh, I, what I do is very, very difficult. There are not many people doing that. Uh, and I, uh, because, you know, when I tell people, well, my work has been seen in 198 countries and reached well over a billion people, Uh, I've now done uh, work which has been versioned into 400 plus language versions. Uh, People are kind of staggered and say, well, how do you stop HIV AIDS on a global basis uh, using three funny animated condoms? Well, that's it. It's (laughs) precisely because there are three funny animated condoms that it worked. Uh, If they weren't, if I didn't apply that kind of creative thinking, uh, they wouldn't have worked. If I would shown real condoms, You know, people would have objected and it would have been taken off the air in many countries. Uh, Yet it was uh, seen even in very conservative countries like Iran on national television. So uh, I apply creative thinking in my everyday work all the time, both in my professional life and in my personal life. And I think all of us have to do that. All of us have had to do that in 2020. And I think that's one of the good things we can take out of this year. You know, people... People uh, often say, this is a terrible year. There's a lot of hardship. I'm not so sure. I think, yes, there are aspects of the year that have been unfortunate and very bad and people have been affected uh, negatively. I have no doubt that a lot of people have gone broke or uh, have lost their savings or have lost their jobs and so on. But the big butters that I think the new thinking that comes out of this year will make the world a better place. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that, you know, after this year, when we go forward, we will be stronger. We will be better. We will be richer as a global economy. We'll be more dynamic. We'll be able to adapt to challenges more easily, uh, and more than anything, we'll be able to apply our creative thinking. Yeah. because that's what is going to be necessary. Yeah. So uh, I do think, I do think that, that I'm an optimistic person. You know, I, I deal with some of the world's toughest issues. I mean, I dealt a lot with rape uh, and sexual violence. I deal with, uh, with diseases that kill a lot of people and things like that. And people often say to me, how do you remain optimistic when you deal with these kinds of issues? Well, it's very simple. I think, generally speaking, that the world is going in the right direction. Uh, that we are becoming more creative, that, you know, if you take the issues that I deal with, for example, uh, you know, I've dealt with malaria for many years. Well, the number of malaria cases has gone down dramatically. I've dealt with polio for many years. We've almost eradicated polio. It's only prevalent now in two countries, in Afghanistan and Pakistan. I think in the next couple of years it will be done with polio. It will never come back to the world. Uh, and so on and so on. Human rights is much more understood. Uh, in modern communications, it has made the world a smaller place, even in something like human rights. If uh, somebody's killed in some obscure village and, you know, in, a, in one country or a police uh, impacts uh, you know a police does something in some country which is not appropriate, somebody pulls out their cell phone, uh, and the whole world knows about it instantly and they can react to it. So uh, so I think that the world has changed a lot and we'll keep changing, we'll keep accelerating. Creative thinking doesn't mean that we can forecast the future. Uh, we can only deal with what is present uh, and, and what we can do at the present time. But creative thinking has changed our world and will continue to change the world rapidly.
2: Yes, yes. So um, moving on to the last couple of questions then. Firstly, what about for yourself those days where things go horribly wrong how do you deal with those
0: oh i don't have days that go horribly <laughs> wrong
2: <laughs> i knew you'd say that
0: <laughs> <laughs> no in fact how do i deal with that it's because i'm a creative person yeah. uh I, I i you know we all have different ways of uh, dealing with stress uh some people take uh long showers some people uh, go into the bathtub some people drink too much uh, whatever i certainly don't drink too much but uh there are ways of coping, but I think the best way of coping is simply to uh, to daydream, which is one of the best ways uh, to cope with stress and, yes. and to implement your creative thinking. Daydream that take yourself out of what you're presently experiencing uh, and what the stimuli is in front of you, you know, physically what you're seeing and what you're hearing. Take yourself out of it and let your mind wander to some other place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and daydreaming is a is a highly creative thought process. It is it is essential to your creative thinking, uh, to expanding your creative mind because uh, daydreaming means that you are being creative because you're not physically in wherever the place is that you're daydreaming about. Yeah. So uh, so I think that that. That, that's a good mechanism that I use quite often to stress. I simply, uh, to deal with stress, I simply stand out of the window, stare out of my window, uh, and I daydream. Uh, therefore, I have a great emphasis, for example, on my views uh, in my offices. Uh, I want a very good view because I quite often stand there and just, you know, daydream. Yeah. I, do think, I do think that uh, we have different mechanisms and, and all of us will deal with that. But I don't actually have many horrible uh, days, uh, literally, because I have, I have faith in myself. And I think that one of the things that I say in my book about uh, what you need to be a highly creative thinker is ultimately you need passion. You need passion. You need belief in yourself. Uh, you need passion for what you do. Uh, if you are a passionate person, and you believe in what your work is, and you believe in yourself, and you believe in your uh, personal and professional life as it is now, you will not have terrible days. Mm
2: -hmm. Thank you. Really like that answer. And then the last question, on those days where you get to live more, and that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do, and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do those days look like for you?
0: Well, uh, what I would like to do is put every doctor out of business because there's no more diseases. Mm-hmm. And what I would like to do is stop all human rights uh, abuses uh, around the world. What I would like to do is, is have better governance in the world, uh, much more cooperation in the world, and so on and so on. So, yeah, we all have our, our dreams uh, that we want, uh, and we work towards those dreams. Uh, in It doesn't matter whether you're working, you know, to change the world in in a kind of global basis uh, like I am, or you deal just very in this very small environment with your family uh, and you're trying to bring up your children the best way you can and that's really your dream, Uh, you define your own success. There is no universal definition of success. Some people say, well, if they look at a billionaire and they think, oh, my gosh, that's a successful man. I'm not so sure that's true. I certainly don't want to be a billionaire ever, uh, if I had a billion dollars, I'd probably give it away. Uh, I, I don't think uh, I want to ever be super rich. Uh, some people ascribe to that. That's fine. If that's what your dream is, that's what your definition of success is, it's fine. But there are many other people who have different definitions of successes, uh, including me. Yes. And I think, that, uh, I think that if you define your own definition, you know, come up with your own definition of success, and then work towards it uh, and uh, and apply your creative thinking to actually design your own life. Don't just live it. Don't go with the flow. Don't let others decide it. Uh, Just decide, you know, use your creative thinking as much as you can to actually design your own life, to to create your own life, to Mm. create the best possible life that you can have. Uh, on your uh, in this uh, short time that we we'll all have on this planet, uh, yeah. and then that that is absolutely the best way uh, to to uh, to use your creative thinking.
2: Lovely, and we're back to that whole individual thing again, aren't we? <laughs> Lovely. <Sure.
0: laughs> well, you and <laughs> I, you and I agree on that completely. You know that has that that actually has very profound implications mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I- if you think through. Uh, this, this notion that, you know, that we are, you know, I'm a Canadian. I speak English and so on. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it absolutely doesn't matter. It's, uh, it, it's who I am. It's, you know, for those the one person. Uh, it, that's the important part. And I, I think if everybody thinks that way, you know, uh, it, it, it changes your perspective completely. Uh, in terms of uh, how you see the world and how you interact with people and how you treat other people.
2: Yes, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Ferdos. It's been so uh, lovely speaking to you today. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch.
0: Well, they can uh, contact me through my website, which is uh, Chocolate Moose Media, but it's Moose the Animal, not Moose the Dessert. (laughs) Um, That's the Canadian part, the moose. Uh, and uh, you can order my book on Amazon or any of the major platforms. Uh, you can also go to my website and order it, and if you do order it from my website, it's the same cost to get a personalized signed copy from me, uh, and you get it much faster than Amazon prints theirs. <laughs> and what's book um,
2: called? What's the actual title?
0: The title is, is, is Creativity, The Key to a Remarkable Life.
2: Lovely. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your
1: time today. Really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: Attention, home-based coaches and consultants. Are you tired of feeling alone, isolated and frustrated with running your home-based coaching or consulting business? Are you sick of feeling like your life would be better and you'd be happier if you felt more organised and productive? Do you feel like there's simply not enough time in a day to get all the things done that you need to do to build a successful business while making time to live more? It's time to stop the isolation and start getting more organised, productive and focused on the skills that will move the needle forward. It's time to join the Power to Live More Calm membership. If you're ready to, stop creating the wheel and focus on the things that truly matter in your life and business. Learn what you need to know to be successful and live more. Get accountability help from a group of like-minded home-based business owners. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm Membership Programme and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm.
0: Use your power to live more.